Dionisio at the plate. He's over to today. Swakowski, the big right hander, lets it go. It's right down Broadway. Dionisio lets it fly, and it's oh, it's raining now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater, the show where two bums talk about other bums at baseball games. It's uh, Saturday, April twenty, April 18th, 2020. I'm Jeremy Dionisio. And I'm Jack Swarkowski. And uh, this is episode number 75. Jack, it's the Barry Zito episode. Yeah, 75. It's uh, uh, what, what they call the diamond anniversary, I think. Um so yeah, this is uh, this is kind of a watershed moment for us. It's episode number seventy-five. Uh, Jeremy, I always uh, like Barry Zito. I always kind of associated him with uh, uh, just kind of sucking after he signed a, a big contract. He was yeah. like, you know, he was like the the first pitcher to like sign like a, just one of those like really long eight-year mega deals and just kind of completely suck. Uh, so that you know, he he was great with the A's, but that's always kind of what I what I associate him with. He's he's kind of an anomaly in a lot of ways. Um, uh, besides the fact that he's one of my one of my biggest baseball man crushes, I would say, <laughs> uh, which we can get into in a second. But I mean, yeah, because he's a guy uh, that went from the AL to the NL and got worse. Yep. Yeah, and I, I, Jeremy, part of that, well, because his first, you know, six years in the league, six seven years were with uh, Oakland. So he was pitching in like the quintessential pitchers, American League pitchers park. Yeah. Um, but oddly enough, he just went across the Bay Area to San Francisco, which is also like maybe the best pitchers park in the National League or, or one of it, It's a good pitchers park or a, a hard park to hit home runs in. And uh, his first couple of years in San Francisco, his first year was 2007. He had a 4.53 ERA. The next year, 5.15. Next year, 4.03. Next year, 4.15. Next year, 5.87. So he just, uh, <laughs> you know, he just never, never had a good year in San Francisco. Yeah, no, definitely not. That, yeah, that. Wow, those numbers are really yuck. Um, <laughs> he, it's, why, why did you have a man crush on him? Well, I think we might have. I think I feel like we've probably gotten into it um, on the podcast before, but uh, I like left-handed pitchers. Um, uh-huh. I think he had cool hair. He had like long hair uh, that like looked cool in his baseball hat. Um, I do, he, do remember that. He also like. <laughs> hey, I I did notice at some point that he he seemed to wear like extremely tight pants too. Maybe maybe okay. not maybe not uh, Joey Votto like type like those are like little kid pants. But like I don't know, Zito <laughs> definitely like looked. He looked good in his uniform. He looked like svelte. And uh, athletic and, and good. I appreciated it. Okay. Okay. And, and well, he was he was like a music guy too. Was he? Mm-hmm. Did he? I, I seem to remember. Did he play guitar? He did. And I, I mean, and so it's like this is where the like translation between and we've talked about we we should probably do an episode of like baseball musicians, um, baseball playing musicians because um, there's there there are a handful of them. I I think that generally speaking, like baseball players if they happen to play music they don't really rock very hard you know and like i guess i have this like impression that barry zito was like a rocker kind of guy but i think he just kind of played acoustic guitar um and i was actually at a uh, san francisco giants game uh at some point i don't remember if barry zito was active at this point uh when i went but like they he was on the, the the jumbotron playing like acoustic guitar 
And like, honestly, if it was anybody else who I didn't like, I would have roasted him completely because it was just kind of like, like kind of wimpy acoustic guitar <laughs> music. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm being slightly hypocritical, I'm sure, with with giving him a pass. But uh, but yeah, I I think just in general as a baseball player slash musician, uh, you know, he gets some kudos from me. Well, Jeremy, who was who was that uh, baseball player in the baseball cards episode that that played uh, in a uh, like a punk rock band? Wasn't it Scott Spezio? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He yeah. wrote a song called "Delusions of Autonomy." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's probably more up your alley, right? Oh <laughs> uh, well, that Jack, if you that's a real Sophie's choice there, I guess. Um, given me, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah. So anyway, uh, also another thing about uh, Barry Zito is he was synony- he, he was uh, notorious for dating like celebrity uh, like women like actresses or whatever. Like he dated Aly- Alyssa Milano. Okay. That could be also be another whole episode like baseball players that Alyssa Milano dated. <laughs> I know Carl Pavano is on that list as well. Really? Oh yeah, definitely. Like she dated like all the Italian baseball players. <laughs> if she, you know, if Anthony Rizzo had played just a little earlier, like he would have been another victim. <laughs> you know, that would be a good episode, Jeremy. Uh, just like baseball players who've dated celebrities. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We could probably have have one for each position. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we should. I'm gonna make a note of that. I'm gonna put nice wags. Um, and uh, yeah. Uh, musicians, musician ball players. I'll put that down as well. Um, so yeah. So anyway. So uh, you know, I, the other thing I, I saw Barry Zito. Uh, I went to a game uh, in 2000, I think, in Toronto. I saw Barry Zito pitching, warming up on the side, on like kind of like past the foul lines, and he was throwing this crazy curveball. And I saw it like up close. I think I said this story before, but it was very cool to see. That's kind of one of the things that made me like him as well. Just his like knee buckling curveball. I love that. Okay. Well, we uh, we we we, uh, we saw a couple of lefties in the game, the old game that we're going to review uh, review today. Um, yes. Yeah. We have a a, a very another special uh, episode for you folks. This is the first game with Jeremy and I have always uh, kind of threatened to uh, watch <laughs> an old game and then review that old that old game. We've talked about doing classics like the uh, 1975 Game 6, the World (laughs) Series, Red Sox versus uh, Reds. You know, we talked about doing a game from either the 1987 or 1991 World Series featuring the Twins, uh, both of those World Series considered two of the greatest of all time. Uh, So what we actually decided on today (laughs) was to do a game from uh, August 27th of 1991, uh, Chicago White Sox versus Kansas City Royals, a game that I'm guessing most of the players who played it uh, do not remember at this point, except except for one, perhaps for Harvey Pulliam. Yes, we should have just called it like. Certainly the game, this game is the Harvey Pulliam game for sure, yes. 100%. Yes. Um, but yes, just like it's funny that we talked about doing, you know, a classic game from 91, one of the best ever. Uh, nope, not Game 7 of the World Series, a random game from August of 91, uh, <laughs> the the dog days of summer with between two teams, I think that were like not, you know, anywhere near contending. I don't, I don't think... Uh, I have to look what the Royals were at. Uh, no, they were sixty and sixty-five. Uh, so, okay, 
Actually, the White yeah. Sox had a better the White Sox had a better record going into this game, but all they kept talking about was how bad the White Sox hit streak they had been on. So yeah, yeah. Well, I remember. I think that they said the White Sox were something like sixty eight and fifty seven or sixty eight and fifty nine or something uh, at, at the time that game was played. So they actually they had a good record, and they must have been in first place for a while because going into this game that we watched they had lost 13 of their last 15 games yeah uh which is which is awful that's like that's like basically losing every game for two straight weeks um so yeah they uh, they no doubt fell out of it um you know obviously they were a fart in the wind um yeah uh, that was the year the twins made the world series it was twins braves right yep um and which is which is funny because about halfway through the game uh, uh, Tom Pachorek, uh the Wimperoo, mm. uh, as Hawk Harrelson calls him, yes. uh, like alludes to the Twins, and he's like, "Yeah, those Twins never give up." So it's like you know, little, little did he know uh, what was going to happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, well, this was a really interesting game for a lot of for a lot of reasons, Jeremy, that we can that we can get into. But uh, yeah, you sure. know, number one, something that drew drew us to this was just kind of hearing what Hawk Harrelson would be like. Yeah, well, yeah. So just just to put like a bigger scope on all of this, you know, and like and certainly like we we tweeted out and uh, you know posted on on our accounts uh, the link to this game. But uh, for folks at home, if you are um, if you want to like you know watch this game, uh, you know if you want to pause the the podcast, go and watch the game. I mean, I know that people are at home uh, with nothing to do, so if you want to watch a class a quote unquote classic game, uh, maybe vintage game, uh, it's on YouTube. Um, and uh, just check our. You can search. You can probably search like 1991 White Sox uh, Royals game. Uh, you know, and find it that way. Make sure it's the August 27th game. Um, but we also posted it on Instagram or on uh, Facebook and Twitter, so you can find the link there. Um, we'll post it on uh, randelaytheater.com/notes as well. A link to the game. Uh, so if you want to check it out, just to be able to follow along with what we're doing, we'll try to direct you um, with certain things as to like what time they occurred to help you uh, figure that out. Um, but the game is uh, on YouTube, easily watchable, and uh, you can follow along with us uh, as we kind of, you know, pick this game, this random game to talk about. Um, but yeah, yeah, Jack, uh, it is, it, it's interesting because we're, 91 is in the Hawk Harrelson uh, era of White Sox, and um, it was, which we talked about, um, was it the last episode where we talked about Tom Pachorek and, and Hawk? Uh, yeah, it, it must have been because uh, uh, yeah, because that that was when we were talking about Ed Farmer. So we were yeah. you know also kind of talking about other White Sox announcers uh, past. Um, I know that Tom Pachorek maybe still does a couple games a year when uh, Steve Stone is uh, just taking a day off. Yeah, for um, holy days. Uh, and Tom Pachorek must be getting up there in years at this point. Yeah, uh, but uh, I, I even watched a game. I think it was 2017 where. Uh, Steve Stone had the day off, and Tom Pachorek and Hawk did the game. Right, uh, and you know I don't think they talked about anything but like the '60s and '70s, <laughs> but it was it was enjoyable. Yeah, um, but yeah, it was interesting to listen to Hawk. Yeah, because Jeremy, in my opinion, just kind of overall, like he wasn't really quite Hawk Harrelson yet. Yeah, no, not really. There, he did utter he uttered his fair share of Hawk like Hawk isms. Um, he did. But it was definitely, yeah, one of the things I think that the one of the angles we were taking on this was, like, to see how Hawk has changed over the years from, like, the guy that we all knew, like, you know, in his latter days of being a White Sox homer announcer. Um, I mean, there were moments that we can get into, like, along the way where I was like, ah, that's a little bit of, uh, you know, late era Hawk uh, there, but... uh, 
Yeah, but um, it was just interesting to hear, you know, hear him like in 1991, basically. Um, and definitely he, I definitely think like he loved working with Pachorik. I, I don't know like what the circumstances were around Pachorik leaving, but um, I think he loved working with Pachorik. Uh, and uh, you know, maybe I don't know, maybe he kind of like got worse after Pachorik like left. Maybe <laughs> I don't know, but um, Jeremy, I. I... I, I don't know if I will ever be able to grasp this, but what is a hang with him? Well, so, yeah, I know. Okay, so that's one of the things, yeah. he That's one of the, like, hawkisms that he that came out early. It came out in the first inning. It did. It did uh, on a Robin Ventura fly ball that, you know, Harvey Pulliam made a great catch on in right field. Yeah, right. That's right. It was Harvey Pulliam. Um, I mean, yeah, like, I think it's, like, I mean, to, to break it down, like, literally, I think it's, like, your the outfielder needs to hang with the ball as it like kind of travels to them. Yeah. You know, I guess. Uh, but you know, one thing that I thought was interesting about it was that he said it more like a, he called it like more of like a hang with him uh, uh-huh. this time as, and, and as he got older, it become like, it became like a hang woof him. <laughs> so he kind of like he 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 like countrified it more like as the years went on. But this one was more of like a with them, hang with them. Yeah. So you know there were a couple of other ones that he used. He used duck snort. Um, oh, okay. Which you know a, a duck snort single. Uh, you know, and it just it kind of amazes me that he said grab some bench. He said grab some bench a bunch of times. Oh yeah. Which is which is why it, it doesn't seem like he had come up with. He gone yet so like he needed to he obviously needed to come up with another way to say that a guy struck out um so uh but yeah he must have said grab some bench about five times but it, it amazes True. me that even in uh, his last season was 2017 so like he was he was using these these catchphrases for almost 30 years oh well i'm sh- i'm sure that he was saying these things like on the bench as well um like when he was a player <laughs> i i just i i definitely think that some of these like you know, the, he like kind of managed to make like uh, you know baseball jargon like exposed to the mainstream and like kind of killed it at the same time. I mean, like 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 beat it to beat it into the ground. I I would say because like I think it's kind of cool. I at, at one point in in <laughs> modern culture, uh, it was cool to hear kind of like baseball speak. Uh-huh. Uh, or baseball terms, and then like they they just get like played out basically, and Hawk just fucking rode him into the ground. I think that was part of the like most like kind of annoying thing about Hawk is it's like, oh cool can of corn, yeah I heard that one a million times. Like it was cool the first time I heard it, you know the first like five hundred times I heard it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of a bummer. Like I think that that's like kind of like the biggest knock on Hawk is like it's like have some uh, have some you know. So, like, use these words sparingly a little bit. And there's another thing. I have a note that Pachork kind of ran into the ground of some of the sayings, too. I, um, he, uh, he, I, I say, I have a note here. This is my second to last note, but Pachork might have gone to the well once too often with the term yacker. I didn't notice him saying that. What did he, uh, uh what did he mean by that? He, uh, curveball. He, he was particularly Tom Gordon's curveball. I know this is later on in the game, but Tom Gordon came in to pitch for the Royals and he just kept saying like, oh, he really got him with that yacker. <laughs> and he said it, he said it like, I would say five or six times. And it's like, let's, let's ease up on it a little bit. So, it, so we don't get tired of it, you know? Right. Yeah. So let's, let's show a little restraint here. Yeah. So. Um, I, I like so so to kind of get the uh, 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 
just right off the top, like right when right when the video begins on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, it, it just has like this generic. Uh, it's like it's like a, a montage of White Sox highlights, like introducing the game, yeah. and just like a generic uh, guitar riff that sounds <laughs> like it's from like a, a Huey Lewis song or <laughs> yeah, something like that. Totally. Um, you know, I, I felt like it just kind of perfectly set the tone for like what uh, what era this game was from. No, definitely, Jack. That's one of my notes too. Is like the bumper music, or like just the intro music and the bumper uh, music. So bumper music is the the music that they play going into and out of commercials uh, for all you production uh, majors at home. But um, yeah, like just I, there. It's so you know, it's totally stock like music. Just like it's just totally like stock like rock you know guitar or something or like there were a couple like adult contempo versions too and it was just it was you know so like 80s night like early 90s this is practically the 80s um you know uh style so it was kind of funny funny to it hear. was and and so jeremy one of the reasons i wanted to do this uh aside from that that uh generic uh bumper music which pulled me in when you first suggested this game was like literally not two minutes into the broadcast uh you know hawk and tom Pachorik are going over like what's you know they expect to happen in the game and they talk about how sammy sosa was yes. recently called uh back up to the big club yes um, from triple a and i was like wow this is cool this is a chance to see sammy sosa <laughs> play a game early in his career with the White Sox before like anybody even really knew who Sammy Sosa was and not only that but they kept bringing up the fact that he was brought up for his defense which would turn out to be uh, pretty <laughs> ironic a- amen uh, when, when you go into the rest like watch the rest of the game a- amen to that Jack uh, by the way the Panther you mean right Sammy Sosa the yeah, Panther they were calling him the Panther I've never heard that before <laughs> that one did not stick that one did not say, just like the the uh, Harvey a certain Harvey Pulliam uh, gapper didn't stick in uh, Sammy Sosa's glove, but um, yeah, no, I mean honestly, this is funny. This is so funny because like I w- if I was Hawk or even Pachorik, I would have um, uh, you know you would have like maybe tried to scrub this one from the internet just because of what they said and then how much it did not pay off. Yes, yeah, so. Yes, they they may they keep making them. But we should say too, um, like so. The context of this game is like the the previous night, Brett Saberhagen uh, for the Kansas City Royals had no hit the the White Sox. Um, so they were talking about like the team being in a funk and that maybe they were lacking like defensively. So they called up. Uh, so like so the Sox, White Sox did make a move and they called up Sammy Sosa. Um, you know, and then yeah, they they mentioned that he's there for for his defense. Um, later on at some point he mentioned Sammy Sosa, like I think right before, like when he was on deck, I think Hawk goes, Sammy Sosa or on deck, Sammy Sosa. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then they, he does call him and he's like here. And then at some point he goes like Sammy Sosa steps up to the bat, the Panther. And then, and then he goes defense, defense. <laughs> it's just like, man, it's like, who the hell is this? Who do they think this guy is? I mean, like, I know he had a good arm, but but I mean, like, I don't, uh, you know, I don't. It's kind of, I don't know if it's revisionist history or what. But like, you know, and it's hard to like, you know, think. Obviously, Sammy Sosa com- became a whole different person uh, with the steroids and everything. But like, I don't, I, I don't think of him as a defense guy. I don't know if he was at one point. But like, it's, it is just funny, uh, you know, what, what happens uh, in the game 
uh, specifically yes. about his defense. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To say nothing of his his two at bats, which right. were two two called third strikes, uh, looking. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple two backwards K's. So like, yeah. uh, aside from what happens later on the defensive end, uh, this game was just a nightmare for Sammy. So, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not good. <laughs> um, a couple more things from the top before we, we kind of keep, we jump ahead. Um, so they do at the beginning of the broadcast, we should mention too, that this broadcast was on WGN. Yep. Um, and so being here in Chicago as a kid growing up, like, I remember the White Sox were always on – the White Sox used to be on Sports Channel, uh-huh. which kind of through the years became um, Comcast Sportsnet. I mean, it was Sports Channel, and I think then it became like Fox Sports or something, and yeah, then it became – I somehow – like it kind of like is the same channel as Comcast Sportsnet. Um, but uh, – but so for a while it was only white the only cubs were on wgn and so at some point the white Sox jumped to wgn and it must this must have been right around the time when that happened um so it's kind of at the time it was an anomaly to see the white Sox on wgn so that was one thing um but they cut to hawk and pachoric like doing their like stand-up or whatever it's called like um at the beginning of the uh broadcast like in the booth talking into the camera um and hawk is wearing this hat uh, it says the hawk on it. It says the hawk on it, which, like, I mean, so, and again, it's a sign of how t- times have changed. Like, um, I suppose if someone was wearing that hat now, the hat would be for sale as well. Like, you could buy your own on, like, the hawkhat.com or something, you know? Um, but I don't think he was wearing it to sell them at this point. So he was just wearing a hat with his nickname on it. That's that's pretty that's pretty great, Jeremy. Yeah, no, um, it's awesome. I mean, to to say nothing of the fact that like, how many announcers in the booth now would wear a hat like during that st- like that stand up part? You yeah, know exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I I guess I admit it would be also weird if they were <laughs> wearing the team hat, <laughs> like, <laughs> like Len Casper's just wearing a Cubs like new era fitted hat. <laughs> like, that would just be weird. It, it it is Jeremy though it is it is a little self-aggrandizing to wear a hat with your own nickname on it. You know they, yes. they say that you shouldn't uh, they say that you shouldn't wear like the the t-shirt of the band you're going to see. Yep. Um, and I, I feel like you know Hawk wearing that hat is just like a step above even that. Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they uh, you know John Favreau and Jeremy Piven need to make another uh, PCU so they can <laughs> they can lay that rule down for uh, you know modern culture um but yeah so it's funny so and it's like it's not a white Sox hat it's not affiliated with wgn i could see i think hawk maybe towards the end because he always did wear a hat um i think maybe he wore like a wgn hat or like whatever station he was you know broadcasting on but Uh this is just totally like like a self like made or like maybe a super fan made it for him but it just says the hawk which is it's just funny um so so that definitely stood out to me early on um the broadcast itself uh, was kind of funky because uh, so in the top of the first, well, so they they do their stand up, they cut to commercial, they come back, and then Hawk goes like, "I'm sorry, folks, we missed the first at bat." <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, 
Yeah, because they said that they were going to give the starting lineups for the White Sox. But yeah, I don't think they, they. I don't think they ever did give this like the starting lineup with the batting order for the Sox, did they? No, I don't think so. They might have shown like the defensive alignment, but not the. They uh, did. Yeah, not the starting lineups. But it's funny because they come back and Hawk kind of throws the production team under the bus. He's like, you know, he's like. You know, so we missed that first at bat. Like they weren't ready to throw back to us or whatever. Like so, he kind of throws WGN under the bus right off the bat. I mean, I guess you know he's. I I mean, I guess he's trying to save his own ass. But like, but yeah, it didn't look good. Uh, him like throwing GN under the bus for for missing that at bat. Um, but uh, so that was kind of funny that that they that they missed a whole at bat. I don't know how many pitches that was, but yeah, Tim Raines flew out to like center field and we we joined it like right after he had made the out or whatever. Yeah, and uh, uh, Jeremy, like to to talk about Tim Raines, like uh, you know, I, I think he played the whole game, but like I feel like I wasn't, I, I didn't catch once one of his at no, bats. No, me neither. Me neither, Jack. That's I'm now. I'm wondering if they did take him out or something because I don't remember like any of his at bats sticking in my head, and like I was like that was my one chance to see his at bat and like kind of pay attention, and like we missed it. <laughs> But yeah, that's funny. Um, so so yeah, so that happened. So he's gone. Um, uh, I wanted to mention too, real quick, the starter for the Kansas City Royals uh, starting pitcher was Mark Davis. Yeah, Mark Davis, um, uh, former Cy Young Award winner with the Padres, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And like, I mean, talk about kind of a weird like situation. So he won that in was it eighty nine. That they said, yeah, uh, or eighty-eight. I, I was looking on his baseball reference, and his best year was eighty-nine. Eighty-nine. So okay. it, it must that must have been the year he won it. So yeah, Jack, you don't remember this guy, I'm sure. Uh, he was not, not really. No. Yeah, I do. I do. So this is like that where that five year you know difference matters, I guess. But like, yeah, I remember him. I remember him as the closer for the Padres, and that that he won the Cy Young as a closer. And, uh-huh. you know, obviously that's that's a weird thing in and of itself. I don't know how many closers have won the Cy Young, Jack. Yeah, I mean, Raleigh Fingers. Okay. Maybe. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody, like, recently. I mean, Mariano um, Rivera never won it, right? No, I, I don't think he – yeah, I don't think he ever won it. So, I mean, you know. What a uh, weird uh, – I know yeah, that – gosh. I know that some relievers have finished like high in voting, but like to give to give the Cy Young to uh, to a closer is just su- such a weird situation. Um, but but yeah, Mark Davis won the Cy Young with the Padres and then signed. Uh, and the crazy thing about it is like that was his he debuted in nineteen eighty. Yeah. So he was he was he was twenty eight, I guess. So he did debut kind of young, but. Um, he 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 won that Cy Young, and then he I guess he signed like a big a, a big free agent contract um, with the Royals the next year, um, and then you know I guess they they kind of like I guess he cl- it looks like he closed the first year he was with the Royals, but then um, they tried to turn him into a starter. I think I mean he's it's weird because he started three games the next year and clo- and finished twenty eight, um, uh-huh. and he only appeared in twenty nine games uh, in. 1991 so i don't know if he had injury troubles or what but in in the game he had like a five something era right going into the game or something yeah and his overall numbers that year were pretty were unimpressive yeah they were Um, bad and they were talking about it like hawk was saying he you know he's got to be considered a a disappointment at this point 
um, uh, which is a little harsh, but, um, but yeah, like I just, it's like, you know, thank you very much, sir. It's like you, you have a great year as a closer, win the Cy Young, then you sign a contract and you just, you know, you suck. I mean, you know, to date back to Barry Zito, you know, he signed this big contract and, you know, was an albatross for the team basically. Yeah. And I, I mean, uh, so the Royals, I'm looking here at his, at his, uh, contract. It seems like, so the year after, uh, the, the, the Cy Young award in 89, he signed a big deal with the Royals. The first year he made 2.1 million and the next two years, 91 and 92, he made 3.6 million, yeah. which back then, especially for a pitcher, like, I mean, back then that he must've been one of the highest paid pitchers in, in baseball. Um, yeah. Or at least like he was, he was probably probably right up there, probably one of the highest paid players on the Royals. I, I remember uh, uh, Pachorik said about Mark Davis during the game, he said, uh, you know, if, if you're making $3 million, people expect a whole lot more from you. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I, I'm pretty sure the Brewers paid Hernan Perez $3 million last yeah. <laughs> year, you know? So that's yeah. that shows you how much times have changed. Yeah, exactly. I know. It is it is crazy. I still remember when, when Ryan Sandberg signed that $7 million contract. And he what was year, what year was that? Maybe 1990. Okay, so guys, guys were guys were starting to make in the couple of millions of dollars a year, like even back then. Yeah, yeah. Well, so but that was the biggest contract uh, in the league, and he was like on the cover of Sports Illustrated, like the seven million dollar man or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, yeah. I remember when the Brewers signed Jeffrey Hammonds to like a twenty-one million dollar contract wow. over like three years, and like you know that was a big deal. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I mean, Mark Davis. Uh, yeah, he he did well for himself. Uh, I, I, yeah, he made. It looks like he made twelve million bucks in his career. Um, and I mean, he, you know, he looked like uh, he, this. This was like a rain delay theater game, Jeremy, uh. because like at this point. The guy was a complete scrub, but like yeah. he completely owned the White Sox. Yeah, he actually had a good outing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and he had he had no he and he kind of had no business like having that outing. But uh, <laughs> no. but yeah, he did. He he looked good, and it was kind of it, it was interesting to see him like post uh, glory days. Uh, and also like there were two other guys on the Royals. Uh, George Brett, obviously, like old George Brett was still on the team. Yeah. And also like old and cranky Kirk Gibson was on the team as well. Yeah, we, we let's talk about Kirk Gibson. Um, so Kirk Gibson, uh, there are a couple interesting things about this. Like, you know, obviously we all remember Kirk Gibson from the 88 uh, Dodgers. Um, certainly a guy before both of our times. So I don't think either of us have like a really strong, you know, read or like overall opinion on the career of Kirk Gibson. But um, he bat, he hit leadoff for the Royals. And they also just kept like, again, hammering home the point of how, how fast Kirk Gibson is. <laughs> and yeah, J- Jeremy, I, yeah. Uh, I mean, first of all, yeah. At, at this point in his career, he was 34 years old. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, he didn't look particularly fast. Uh, and I, you know, I learned Jeremy, I, I knew he was with the Tigers and the Dodgers, but I actually had no idea going into this game that he had ever been on the Royals. No. Yeah, no, I, it's one of those things where it's one of those like late career, like, uh, you know, uniform changes that, that you don't, you forget. Like, I know, I don't, I, if you told me like to name all of his teams, I couldn't go beyond the Dodgers and the Tigers. Um, so yeah, definitely in the twilight of his career, like you know, playing out the string with the Royals. Um, uh, so it's it's weird. Um, but they do mention that he was like a highly ranked uh, wide receiver at Michigan State. 
that football. That was interesting. I did, I did not know that. Right. No, I don't think I did either. Or like maybe it wasn't, you know, sticking in my, in my mind. But then I guess that helped kind of like solidify that, okay, maybe this guy did have speed. But it's just like you, you – the image of Kirk Gibson – um, that we all know in our heads is him like, you know, hobbling around the bases after hitting that Homer in the world series. And he just looks like, like, you know, my grandfather used to move, like move down the, the sidewalk better than, than Kirk Gibson did going around the bases. Like he, <laughs> he did not look good, let alone like any sort of world, world-class athlete, um, or world series hero. So it was just, it's like, that's kind of like the image I have of Kirk Gibson. Um, and he just like looks so rickety when he moves, and the, and the White Sox announcers just kept saying over and over again how fast he was. And he he st- I think he stole a base, and he I know he got thrown out trying to steal, but didn't he steal one earlier? You know, I, Jeremy, I was going to bring up the caught stealing. I'm not sure. If, I'm not sure if he had a stolen base other than that in the game. But the okay. caught stealing one, he, he more got picked off by uh, Wilson Alvarez, yeah. the lefty who started for the Chicago White Sox. Um, and the best part of that was uh, after he was like thrown out, um, he, <laughs> he he punted his helmet. Yeah, which yeah. was which was funny. You know, like here's this 34 year old man. He's playing in probably like his you know 1400th game of his career, and like you know he can't just pick up his helmet and walk off he's got to like he's got to he's got to kick his helmet in frustration yeah exactly yeah no he was just um he was uh just crotchety as you know as as kind of the legend is i think that he was maybe known as kind of like a curmudgeonly kind of guy or a bristly kind of guy he made he made a uh he made a spectacular catch um during the game as well like early on in the game in about the third or fourth inning he made a he made a really nice diving catch in left field yeah and like you know, he just did not give a shit about the fact that he made that catch. Like yeah. he just, he just, he just got up. Like he didn't even look at the center field. Like I feel like the center fielder like wanted to like uh, you know kind of congratulate him, and he just he just ran in, ran into the dugout. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, you know, today, like in in the modern day baseball now in twenty nineteen twenty whenever they start playing, like you know they would have they would have celebrated that catch a little bit. Kirk Gibson did not care about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they would have been high fiving each other and everything. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Um, that's right around the thirty-one minute mark. If people want to, you know, single that one out, but he, yeah, he makes a great play. And like they, they made the point of saying that he had like he missed one uh, the night before in the in the no hitter. So I guess they called it an error, but they, I, I don't really know. They were kind of harping on it and saying it was controversial. But I mean, if it was a no hitter, clearly it was called an error, and it seemed like it should have been called an error, right? Yeah, they, they well they showed the replay and uh, I don't know Jeremy. I mean it, it kind of seemed fifty fifty. Like they probably maybe could have called it a hit too. Like right. it looks like Gibson was having kind of a tough time with it, but like it, it looked like it did hit his glove um, yeah. and he missed it, which I guess technically would make it an error. Um, but it, it's not like it was a it wasn't a can of corn as Hawk would say. So like yeah right. They, I I think it could have gone either way and it could have been a hit. But I thought that maybe one of the reasons after he made the great diving catch in the game we watched, uh, like that he didn't celebrate, was like because he was still pissed about what had happened like last night and the fact that he didn't make that catch. Definitely. So that was kind of what I was thinking. Um, yeah. So uh, another thing that I wanted to mention. Uh, so this is early on in the game as well. This is in the first inning, actually. So here's one of the things that was weird to me is that Robin Ventura started at first base in the game. Yes. Um, when I when you, when they when they showed the Sox defensive alignment, uh, Jeremy, I, I must have missed about like a, a half minute of everything that Kachorik and Hawk were saying because I was like, 
it took me that long to process the fact that Robin Matura was going to be playing first in this yeah. game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I thought that was that was pretty strange. But he looked he looked good at first base though. Yeah, he made a good play in the first inning. This is at the seven and a half minute mark, so seven minutes thirty seconds. Um, he makes a good play. I don't know if you noticed this, Jack, but he was wearing like a shirt under his uniform that kind of like <laughs> come came out of his uh, jersey a little bit. The sleeves like you know stuck out. It wasn't yes. like a baseball like three quarter sleeve, but it, it was just. I don't know what the hell shirt it was, but I don't know. Did you get a good look at the shirt, Jack? Yeah. So, Jeremy, I was <laughs> going to say that that shirt looks like it, it got, uh, you know, devoured by a bunch of moths yeah. or something. It has, like, you know? holes. It, like, the sleeves were all, like, holy. Like, it looks like some, like, you know, suburban kid from the 80s, like, you know, beat down, like, beat in, like, metal shirt. Like like an old, like, Judas Priest t-shirt or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it looked like it's like a shirt that you would wear if you were working on something in your garage. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, it's just like a, it, like what you know what you would call a crap shirt you know like just yeah. a shirt that you wear when you're doing like work around the house exactly um, yeah you know it, it it certainly wasn't like the team issued uh like shirt undershirt that everybody else was wearing and that i'm sure he could have worn if he had chosen to yeah <laughs> yeah exactly or you know or maybe it's just a a, time, a sign of the times where like you know you know fucking like nike or like majestic or Reebok or whoever makes the fucking like you know like team issued shirts um you know there wasn't a rule saying like you couldn't wear like some shit some shitty t-shirt uh you know and maybe for the best maybe this is why they have this rule now it's like you know if you wear something it has to be like Nike issued or something like so if he was wearing that you know the CEO of Nike would uh you know they would the, they would contact MLB saying like you're in breach of contract or, or whatever you know um, well, it's just a mess. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, 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 and I don't get why he would want to wear that shirt though in the first place. No, you know? like, it, yeah, for sure. It, like, you know, it, it's like they say, "Look good, play good." Like, he, <laughs> yeah. didn't, he didn't look good in that shirt. Right. I mean, unless he's like a superstitious guy, and that was like, you know, his like fucking like little league <laughs> shirt or something. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing I could think of. Or he's just like, you know, some kind of like hipster slacker kind of guy. But I don't think Robin Ventura is that. So, no, uh, I don't and, know. Yeah, and this this was his age twenty three season, um, so it's it's just weird to like think of how like you know uh, fifteen or rather twenty five years like into the future he would be managing the White Sox. That's true. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Actually, no. Actually, this 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 game featured <laughs> two two former White Sox managers, um, which which I had I, I hadn't really thought about until just now because Ozzy Guillen. Uh, started the game at shortstop. That is as true. Well. Yeah, that's true. And let's see. I want to see how many overall managers it features because there's at least three. Oh Christ! Um, I think it might end up with three. Joey Cora never actually. Joey Cora like like filled in like he like interim managed a couple times. I think for Ozzy Guillen, maybe when Ozzy Guillen was ejected or something. So uh-huh. you could say th- four with an asterisk, but at least three if you include Kirk Gibson. Right, uh, uh, for sure, yeah, because yeah, uh, Gibson Gibson managed the was it the Diamondbacks? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that, that's pretty crazy. There, there's a lot of uh, so so Cora. Actually, I didn't know that. So he was on he was on Ozzy Guillen's staff on the White Sox. Yeah, he was Ozzy Guillen's like right hand man. Uh, you okay. know, the Brad Mills to Ozzy Guillen's Terry Francona, or you know, Dave <laughs> Martinez uh, to uh, Joe Madden. Okay, uh, interesting. Um, okay, well, yeah. That so then, yeah, we have it. We have at least three here. Um, uh, only, I guess only one of them, uh, you know, had, had any, any sort of success, but, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, so yeah, so yeah, we had, we had all these guys, you know, we also, we also had George Brett who didn't do a damn, a damn thing in the game, but, uh, right at the, <laughs> during his first at bat, Hawk Harrelson mentioned that like George Brett had had hemorrhoids at one point. Yes. So this is at the 10 minute and 45 uh, second mark. And yes, uh, Jack, I mean, this is probably the highlight of the whole game. I would say. Um, in terms of quote unquote color. Um, but, um, yeah, so they're talking, they're just like, you know, they're just, uh, oozing like praise on, uh, on George Brett. Uh, Hawk is speaking in his like, you know, un, uh, unprovoked platitudes of saying that, you know, of all the players I've ever seen, George Brett might be the best one ever. I'm sure he said that 50 times about 50 different players, but he th- this particular night he's saying that that George Brett was like the best player he's ever watched bat. Uh, they're talking about how he's he hustles down every play running down uh, the line at first base, and they're like even through all of his injuries he's always hustling. And uh, Petrarca goes like, "Yep, definitely." And Hawk goes like, "Even even after his hemorrhoids, he busted down the first base. He busted his ass down the first base line." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what he said was, yeah, even even when he had hemorrhoids, he'd bust his fanny down the first baseline. And yeah. then Pachork was like, "No pun intended." Or he, go, like, he goes like, "He's like was- maybe a double meaning there, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, but I, I was like, uh, I was kind of taken aback by that. Yes, well, so just to, yes, because I feel like you couldn't get away with that nowadays. You'd have to like issue an apology or whatever, and you know, not to get all too like you know. Uh, you know, you you know, back in my day or whatever. But like, what Pachorik is saying to literally break it down is like, he like he like risked like you know his hemorrhoids to run down for his base basically. Like <laughs> like he put his hemorrhoids at risk by hustling down the line and running hard. So, um, yeah, it's it was certainly. I mean, that's the kind of color. If you talk about a color guy, like. That's the color. That's the kind of color that only Tom Pachora could could add to a game, which is pretty pretty funny. <laughs> was it? Was it? Uh, and I wonder too. Like, was it? A, was it a known thing that George Brett like had hemorrhoids? Well, so to put it all into perspective, if you go way back to the uh, the baseball like videos um, episode that we did way back when with uh, with uh, guest uh, Ben Perkins, uh, where we watched the George Brett like you know shitting his pants uh, video, like. Yeah, I don't know, Jack. It was was George Brett synonymous with like scatological humor, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like shooting his pants, having hemorrhoids. Like what's going like the guy's one of the best hitters in the history of baseball, but somehow all people seem to mention about him is is, you know, fecal uh <laughs> like stories. It's just weird. <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe that's like locker room talk or something, but like, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I really, I guess so. I mean, the Hawk brought it up. Like it was a known thing. It's like, it's like, you know, when, uh, you know, uh, um, I'm trying to think of a, like when some pitcher had Tommy John surgery, uh, you know, he recovered from that. He brought it up just like that. He brought up George Brett's hemorrhoids 
as if it's a known ailment that he dealt with, I guess. Well, and you know, you know what the messed up the part though, Jeremy, is that uh, I bet if if there's one person who would really find that line from Hawk funny, it would be George Brett. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, he'd be like, "Hey, man, I heard you talking about my hemorrhoids on the broadcast last night, you son of a." Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, chewing his gum like he is in that in that uh, that great that great video, which folks, if you haven't if you haven't watched it. If you didn't, if you didn't catch that episode with Ben Perkins, uh, definitely watch the George Brett shitting his pants video. Oh, it's uh, legendary. It's, it's good comedy. Yeah, this is a nice companion piece to that for sure. So, yes. Um, so a couple more things. Um, I thought it was funny that uh, Hawk Harrelson, when we talking about Sammy Sosa being recalled, he kept saying "down in Vancouver." <laughs> <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah. I so didn't, I didn't catch that. I guess that the White Sox AAA affiliate at the in 1991 was in Vancouver. Uh huh. Um, and I assume it's Vancouver, uh, you know, Canada, but right. But maybe it's Vancouver, uh, Louisiana, or something, because he he kept saying <laughs> down in Vancouver. I know. I'm sure he meant down on the farm, like down in AAA. But he yes. said it multiple times, down in Vancouver. Um, just kind of downplaying that or whatever or putting it's almost seemingly putting down like canada or something um but <laughs> well, you know jeremy it, it kind of uh it's kind of mind-boggling to think that i don't know if there are still minor league teams that play in canada but mm-hmm. that seems like a lot of uh you know a lot of red tape for like players to have to like cross the border and stuff just for a just for a minor league name yeah totally um, you know i mean because they obviously all have to get like passports um, and not just the not just the players who play on Vancouver, but also all of the players who play in that league. Like probably all have to always have like their passports with them and stuff, just to when they're going on on the road to Vancouver. Uh, it seems like a big to do. I don't know. I don't know how long if Vancouver still has a Triple A team, but it seems like more trouble than it's worth. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. I I mean, certainly the White Sox affiliate is not Vancouver anymore, but uh, no. Yeah, I don't know. It is weird. Um, but a couple more things that uh, the um, <clears throat> that the announcers were getting on with with uh, Sammy Sosa. Did you hear uh, Tom Pachork's uh, thoughts about Sammy Sosa's shoes? Yeah, he called them, he called them ugly black high tops. Yeah, he's like, so Sammy Sosa's wearing those black high. He found like they said since he's. Uh, been up uh, since he came up uh, last time. Since the, uh, last time he was in the majors, he's managed to find himself some black high tops, or some great looking black high tops. Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, and he went. He, did he go yak? Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah, yak or black or something like yeah, like yeah. Alfred E. Newman and, and style. Like uh, that was bizarre. But but the, the the funny part for me was that when he was uh, when he said that, like they cut to a three quarter shot of yeah. Sosa like yeah. Sosa was at the plate and you could see from like his shins upward and then they like gradually pan back so you could like see all of Sosa and then you could <laughs> see his his high tops too and yeah they, and I think at that point that's when <laughs> when Pajaric went yeah um, <laughs> yeah and then and then Hawk was like and then and then they comment too about how he had widened his stance I think right um, which I feel like ended but, up becoming his stance like in in you know the rest of his career Oh, oh, is uh, is that is that? Yeah, I don't, I don't remember his, you know, his batting stance specifically that well. Is that is that how he? I, how, is that how he would come to the plate? I feel, I feel, yes, I feel like like he had like kind of like a wide stance, and he would do kind of like a a toe tap sort of thing, like he would tap it back. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and I, I can, I, I, you know, I feel like I've, I know that from like looking at, uh, you know, Cubs uh, 
um, highlights of him hitting home runs and stuff. What do you what do you call that haircut that he had, Jeremy? Right. So after he makes that out, he he like takes off his helmet, and uh, you see like this like this uh, what did I write? amazing hair I wrote. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like um, uh, it's not like a high top or like um, like a high level fade or something. I think maybe it's called like like uh-huh. if you're thinking about like kid in play. I think it's kid from kid in play. Like is like the extreme version of that where it's like a flat top, um, but like it kind of has that 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 feel to it where it kind of like goes up high and it's kind of flattish on top and then like kind of has like he he definitely had lines shaved uh, you know on the temples and stuff like I mean that's a classic like you know like badass look in like the early nineties I mean I remember oh, yeah yeah. Like, um, I feel like Wesley Snipes has that in, like, some, like, you know, in New Jack City or something. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, like, yeah, that, that haircut is definitely a product of its time. And, like, I also had no idea that Sammy Sosa ever ever had hair like that. Yeah, he kind of had, like, a, a jerry curl, like, in early in his career. Like, a wet, like, you know, like, curly, like, kind of longer style hair. Um, that did not look good. Um, you know, whatever he ended up settling on, kind of like a close cropped hair, was probably a better look for him. But, uh, but yeah, he he went through some different hairstyles for sure in the early '90s. Well, and he he only Jeremy I, when I was looking at Baseball Reference, he only hit 203 that season. Yeah, his so. numbers were not. He had like nine homers, I think, but his his average was not good in, in coming into that game. No, and he finished the year with only ten homers, so it seems like he okay. only hit one more home run the rest of the way. Okay. So. You know, not not quite ready uh, for prime time, Sammy Sosa, uh, in this game, nope. most definitely. Nope. But, he, he, Jeremy, I didn't know that we were going to see Carlton Fisk at this game. Yeah, right. I know. It's kind of like a nice uh, – it's it's a rare – like, I don't know. I, I'd have to, like, you know, kind of, like, look at – do the research. But um, it's kind of a rare stint of Carlton Fisk as a White Sox in the black – like predominantly black uniforms. Like I feel like for most of white, uh, Fisk's white Sox career, he was, he had those like either those like 1983, like softball style, like looking uniforms or like the ones directly after that, which were still like kind of red that had red and blue and white in them. Um, uh-huh. but you know, he, he was still a white sock when they went into that, like good guys wear black, uh, uniform phase. Uh, and that didn't, I don't think there are too many years of that. So that's, we, we did see like an, uh, you know, maybe a brief look at him in the, in the black uniforms. Yeah. And that was, that was his age 43 season too. So he wow. was, uh, yeah, he was getting up there in, in years. Um, yeah. And I, I had written a note about this too, Jeremy, just speaking of the White Sox uniforms, they basically haven't changed their uniforms in, you know, almost 30 years. Yeah. They've had those, sure. those black, you know, just those black and white and gray uniforms, um, you know, I, I think it's a good it's a good look. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but are, are those road jerseys the same as their road grays now? Basically, uh, yeah, essentially, yes. I think it's they're all they're all very similar. Um, I I think I've I think I've gone on record on this podcast saying that I was like a White Sox fan until they transitioned to those black uniforms. <laughs> Um, cause I remember my friend's dad saying like, what are you, what are you going to wear black uniforms in the summer for? Like, it's going to be too hot. Um, and so that always kind of stuck in me and that, 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 sh- that signaled a shift from me from being like a Cubs and Sox fan to just being a Cubs fan. Ouch. Um, but, right. uh, yeah, no, I, so I'm not a fan of the black uniforms, Jack, but, uh, um, 
but yeah, so uh, yeah, uh, let's see what else we got here. We're at about the uh, fifty minute mark, so let's see what else we got here with this game. Yeah, yeah, Jeremy. Um, uh, so so Hawk Harrelson was was pimping a, a, a promotion for a future White Sox yes. game. Yes. Uh, uh, all, all kids would get a, a lunch bag, uh, courtesy of Koala Yummies. Jack, I love you for having this down in your notes, man, because I have it as well, and that was that was the next thing I was going to get to. It's at the 18-minute mark. He's doing, yeah, like a promo for an upcoming uh, giveaway, and, yeah, he says koala yummies like three times, like within a, <laughs> like a 15-second span. He's like, brought to you by koala yummies. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, I had forgotten about koala yummies. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I... I don't know why there's they haven't they never officially like escaped my like you know consciousness I guess um uh-huh. but uh yeah I mean uh they're you know I I I'm familiar with like the Japanese version of koala yummies um uh-huh. I don't know what they're actually called but um they're pretty damn tasty did you did you ever have koala yummies as a kid yeah, well, I seem to remember that they were just like they were koala shaped. Like, were they like cookies, but they had like chocolate inside of them or something? Yeah, almost like were? cookie. Yeah, okay. yeah, cookie slash wafer slash um, kind of almost like crackery type of thing. Like, and I think they yeah. were like hollow, or maybe I don't know if they were solid chocolate inside or like the they were hollow with like a chocolate coating inside. But uh, they're pretty darn tasty. I don't think I ate them a lot as a kid, but. Uh, Discovering like those Japanese versions, like you know, if you went to a store and they had such a thing, uh, you know, I f- to realize that they were pretty damn good. Yeah, Jeremy. I uh, but I so yeah, I had totally forgotten about about koala yummies. So not only was that like a, a blast from the past as like a kid who grew up in the '90s, but also uh, also just to hear Hawk Harrelson like say koala yummies, you know, three times in a span of twenty seconds was uh, <laughs> was pretty good. So uh, absolutely, so, yeah, that was that was good. Uh, and then immediately after that, they tried to get a replay of like a, a strikeout, <laughs> and yeah. they kept they kept fucking it up. Yeah, like the first time they like so, so I don't remember what the exact play was, but like it was like a, a third strike call with like you know where a guy swung at a curveball or something. And the first time it was like the replay was way too sped up, mm-hmm. and they're like you know. Pachorik made like a joke about it. Uh, he's like, "Oh, that one was a little fast." So then they tried to get it again, and then like it was too slow that time. <laughs> yeah. And then I think they tried a third time, and it was just like it was frozen. And Hawk's like, "Wow, we're having a little bit of trouble here." So like you <laughs> yeah. know, here they are like throwing WGN under the bus again. Yeah. You know? No. Absolutely. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. The. Uh, they. They did it really fast, and then. Yeah, Pachork said, "Oh, that's a little too fast, or something." And then, and Hawk goes, "That was a great fastball." Um, and then, and then, yeah, and then Hawk goes, uh, "He's like, well, we seem we seem to be having a little trouble with that piece of tape, or whatever." So, <laughs> but um, um, yeah, was there a point? So, so, so that was good, and then that, I feel like that's not something you would really see in like you know here in twenty twenty. Um, uh, so that, that was interesting, just like the, the imperfect, uh, replay. Was there a point, Jeremy, so it was kind of right after this, where, uh, Hawk Harrelson, he calls George Brett Dennis the Menace? Oh, yeah, I guess he, yeah, I do remember that, yeah. Was that, was that a nickname that George Brett had? I don't think so, I think, um, no, I, no, I don't think so, not that I know of. So, I, I was trying to, I was trying to, uh, uh, figure that out, why he called him that, I, I, I couldn't do it. And then Jeremy, one of the best, uh, one of the best things that Hawk said all day. I should have put a time marker on this, but I didn't. But maybe you caught it too. Was he said, uh, 
yeah, now is the time to buy your opening day 1991 yes. tickets encased in Lucite. Sure, to be a collector's <laughs> item. Jack, I'll one-up you on that. Uh, yes, he did mention that. And the fact that he said, sure, to be a collector's item, uh, sprung me to action to search eBay to see if I could find any of those uh, 1991 Lucite encased opening day tickets. Oh, and, my God. Uh, it's it's not it's it's slim pickings out there um and i couldn't tell if i could find the like official one that he was talking about or just ones that like people had for sale so the only thing i could find was one in kind of like a plastic case uh-huh. um that had sold recently for $5 with $5 shipping so $10 total um and he did say that they cost $20 at the time they they cost twenty bucks at the time in nineteen ninety one. Yes, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Jeremy, whoever, whoever bought those, uh, they, they took a bath on it. You yeah, know? I it think was. We can safely say. Yeah, it was at, at best. It was not sure to be a collector's item. It might have <laughs> accidentally become a collector's item to someone who was you know looking for old com- or like new Comiskey Park Affirma, I guess, but. Um, yeah, no, I was not sure. Uh, but yeah, dude, again, Jack, totally awesome that you had that as a note. Um, cause yeah, I did as well. Uh, opening day ticket in Lucite, sure to be a collector's item. Like, yeah. um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I did try to scour eBay to see if I could find one. And, uh, at, at best, um, you know, there were maybe some that, that sold, there were a couple, uh, that sold maybe like $30 or something. Um, uh-huh. But I couldn't tell if that was the exact one that he was talking about. But, yeah, it was definitely funny. And, obviously, you watch a game from uh, 29 years ago, right? Um, Yep. It certainly gives you a chance to fact check whether or not this collector's item actually turned into a collector's item. It's kind of nice. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, uh, so, so Jeremy, I hadn't realized this, but uh, I guess 1991, that was that was their first year in New Comiskey. Is that correct? It, it was. It was. Yeah. So there there was some like there there is some like, uh, I guess, fair um, claim to it being a collector's item. But, you know, obviously, I, I you know, with with any sort of sports collector collectibles or cards or whatever, it's only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. So, right. yeah. So, yeah. Well, that well, that was a good one, Jeremy. And I think shortly after that happened uh, is when, like, the, the play of the game uh, happened. It, it happened at the 56-minute mark about. Uh, it was the inside-the-park home run by Harvey Pulliam. That was actually more of an inside-the-park abomination. Um, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a ball that was, like, hit to right center, and Sosa was in right field, and Lance Johnson was in center. And it was kind of a, you know, either one of them could have got it, but they ended up, uh, you know, nobody called for it, uh, and they ended up kind of just like basically running into each other, and then the ball got by them both, and it was the park home run. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so this is where the uh, the the defense defense comes to roost because um, <laughs> Sammy Sosa's defense led to uh, the game, the play of the game actually, uh, the game changing moment where. Yeah, Harvey Pulliam of all people hit a two-run inside the park homer. Um, yeah, it on the replay, it it looked like kind of Sammy could have had that, but he kind of sensed that Lance Johnson was kind of barreling in, and I know I know they say that the center fielder has you know like first dibs basically on any ball. Um, so that seems to be a situation where like 
if it was understood that Sammy could have just went for that ball, it seems like maybe he could have caught it, but he was maybe kind of like pulling up because he knew that Lance Johnson was going for it. And yeah, it just fell between them. It almost looked like Sammy Sosa need Lance Johnson in the, in the ribs too. Um, it'd be interesting to see if Sammy, if uh, Lance Johnson like sat, you know, the next day or something. Yeah. Cause the, yeah, the, the, uh, collision was, uh, it, it was kind of a, a hard collision that those guys both took too. Like, you know, it, uh, so yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. Um, and then when they showed the replay, I hadn't realized this, but like Sosa immediately like sprints after the ball, like when it goes back to the outfield, yep. like, you know, you got to remember he was still like a young, hungry, like kid at that point trying to prove himself. So yeah. he probably felt, he probably felt like a bonehead, but, um, but yeah, they, uh, you know, it, I feel like inside the park home runs are, are pretty rare. So I, I hadn't, um, I certainly wasn't expecting to, to see one uh, at that point. And uh, Harvey Pulliam, uh, uh, Jeremy, I looked at, had you ever heard of Harvey Pulliam before? No, Jack. And I was, um, <clears throat> I was Googling, I, I did make a note before I even knew that, you know, before we knew, because we should also mention that we didn't, we kind of didn't, we tried to not spoil this game for, for ourselves. Right. Um, so we, yeah, neither one of us like looked ahead at the box score or, or like the final score or anything. And, um, yeah, I'm like watching this with Harvey Pulliam and that's one guy I made a note of. I'm like, who the hell is Harvey Pulliam? I don't remember his name. I know Keisha Knight Pulliam, uh, TV's Rudy <laughs> from the Cosby show, uh, okay. Rudy, Rudy Huxtable. But, uh, I don't know if there's any relation there, but I don't know Harvey Pulliam. And I was, I was literally Googling, I was like searching him on baseball reference when the, when the inside the park Homer happened and just looking at like, just what, like, you know, dismal, career numbers he had as a player well jeremy let's just say uh that he had eight home runs in his career and we saw 25 percent of those in this game (laughs) absolutely yeah no absolutely and like i'm looking at him so like he he played uh with the royals from 91 to 93 although he only amassed uh 49 career games in that three-year span um he missed 94 for some reason um and then maybe keisha knight had a lot of uh you know, auditions that he had to take her to. Um, <laughs> I, I think the Cosby show was off the air by that point. Um, and then, so then he resurfaces with the Colorado Rockies in the nineties, like the Blake street bomber, Colorado Rockies. Yeah. Um, yeah. His last, his last season was 97, I believe. Right. Yeah. And 96 was the year that they had like all those guys hit like over 40 homers, I think. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I was looking up the Colorado Rockies numbers to see like, you know, who the, like, leaders were in homers and how this guy couldn't like crack the team at that point. Like he couldn't hit in Colorado. Maybe, maybe all the other bums, the like fringe players who were on that team were like doing so well that Harvey Pulliam couldn't crack the roster. But I mean, he, he amassed 74 games over three years with the Rockies and he totaled, he managed to hit four homers in that time when, when, you know, Vinny Castilla and Dante Bichette and Ellis Burks were like putting up numbers that no, that they had never had in their career until they went to Colorado. Right. Yeah. It was a, it was, it was the perfect combination of, uh, you know, that Rocky mountain air and steroids. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, still, still Harvey Pulliam couldn't get it done. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he, he hit two home runs uh, in this game. The second one, so so I don't know if you noticed this, Jeremy, but right right before his second home run, um, Wimpy was just like getting on Har- Harvey Pulliam. Yeah. Like Wimpy was pissed about that inside the park home run. He's like, yeah, he had such a bad swing on it that second time. He's like, <laughs> it was just just a. He's like, it was just a lucky hit. 
You yeah. Know? And, then, and then he goes and, and just hits an absolute bomb off of Wilson Alvarez. Yeah, no, right. Exactly. Yeah, no, I was going to say that after the inside the park Homer, uh, Hawk, in like, you know, shades of like the smugness that he would like, you know, exude later on as a as an announcer, he just goes like like the ball gets by him and he goes like, That's gonna be an inside the park homer. And then like and then he comes Harvey like, you know, one arguably one of the most exciting plays in baseball, an inside the park homer. And, you know, Pulliam comes around to score and he's like, And it was, it wasn't inside the park homer. Uh <laughs> Royals lead two nothing or something. And it's like you know, I know that you're not happy that it's the uh, opponent who's who's hitting it, but like, geez, man, like, you know, call the play for what it is, you know. Yeah, you know, j- uh, jazz it up a little bit. Yeah, you know, for sure. Because, um, yeah, it, it's not, it's certainly not something you see every day, and it's maybe not even something you see once every season. So, like, it is a, I, I, you know, I noticed that as well, and and that was like you said. That was Hawk just being like pissed that it was happening and not, you know, not honoring like what was actually going on. Yeah, like he exactly. Have. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of Hawk, so this was this is right after. I think this was the the inning after, is the bottom of the fifth. My note for the bottom bottom of the fifth is Hawk taking a shit. Um, <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. Yes. Because yeah. like for the for the first five like like three to five minutes of the bottom of the fifth inning. It's just Tom Pachorek talking. Yes, absolutely, Jack. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this. So this is just a general thing with broadcasting because we don't really get to talk about broadcasts too much, you know, on this podcast. Uh But it's always interesting, I guess I'll put it, when like the when they come back from commercial and suddenly the color guy is doing play by play and it's not like a you know a scheduled thing where like they always do like the fifth inning or whatever like i know right i know like i think it's um i think the i think the cubs radio broadcast like ron coomer will do an inning maybe as a play-by-play uh-huh. guy because uh pat hughes will just take a break and I, I know sometimes like guys tag out like uh the i definitely pat hughes takes a break and lets like the like producer guy like the 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 you know whoever it is like step in and do one inning or whatever but mm-hmm. Whenever you come back from break and like the the oddly the play by play guy unannouncedly is like not doing play by play, yeah, you can only assume that they're taking a shit or a, or a piss or whatever, maybe getting some food, maybe talking to like some like you know coed or like in the like below the the booth or something, um, or getting like drinking or something like something nefarious, something like you know untoward is happening. That's not letting the guy do his job, which is what his main job is. And so, yeah, so Pachork was doing play by play for like, like the first batter of that inning. Yeah, and and what, what what's even funnier is that when Hawk came back, he was like, yeah, and like like Whippy just said, like you know he uh, he's a great player or something. Like he didn't he didn't have anything to to add yeah. about like what happened. It was just like he just like he just like jumped he jumped off of the last thing Pachorik said. Yeah. And like just tried to just had to announce that he was like back to the the crowd. Yeah, you know? acting. And then they got back into it, acting as if he's like fully and like you know, uh, you know, invested in the conversation. Like, yeah, that's right, you know, and like, but only talking about what he just recently heard. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that. Um, I I think in general, like that, you'll you'll find that that happens every once in a while with like a broadcast. Um, on TV, where the color or the play by play play guy is just gone. You know, at the beginning of the inning. Um. I mean, you know, call it what you will. Sometimes I think like maybe they like they go and pee and then they're like they're running back to the booth and they run into someone and they start talking to him maybe. Sure. And miss yeah. Them. 
you know, miss the beginning of the inning or something, but certainly like, yeah, you know, you, you kind of get that impression that of Hawks sitting on the can or something, you know? <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, and so so that yeah that that, that definitely stood out to me, um, and that, yeah that's something I'm going to look out for, um, you know, in sports, uh, baseball broadcast going uh, going forward. So I thought I thought that was good, um, and then so then we 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 have I think this is at 1:35, but it, this was one of those moments where in 2020 it was like a little too real. Hawk um, <laughs> Hawk says about like the Sox's like slump that they're on. He's like. Yeah, it's like a bad virus that just got to let run its course. You know, I was oh, like, man. oh, that's that's too soon. Oh man, you I know? missed that, Jack. I I think I missed that. Oh, you missed that? Yeah. yeah. He, he he referred to the Sox like hitting hitting slump as a as a bad virus that's got to run its course. Interesting. I was like, I was like, oh man, that 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 that, that hits too close to home. For yeah. The, uh, you know, for this this pandemic. You know. Yeah. Interesting. Say, uh, you know. Uh, uh, odd, uh, you know, seeing into the future there for Hawk. Um, <laughs> um oh, yeah. go ahead. Oh, well, so I was going to say just a couple, uh, like a, just a couple notes here. One thing I know this is backtracking just a little bit, but, um, there were a couple foul balls that happened that, that, uh, got hit into the stands where they showed the people who caught it. And, um, first off, the first one happens at, at about the 35 minute mark. The guy is a total like dweeb looking guy. Uh, do you remember this guy, Jack? You know, uh, I I I probably do, Jeremy, because there there were like I, I was trying to look out for this too. Was he with Was he with kids? Yes, I believe it was like two guys with two kids, maybe. Uh-huh. And or no, wait, that was the second guy who the the second one uh, was with a kid. The first guy I think was like two couples. It was like two guys and 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 their girlfriends or wives or whatever. But the yeah. one guy was wearing. He had big glasses, like big 80s glasses on, and he had like short shorts, and he had a, a St. Louis Cardinals jersey tucked into his shorts. <laughs> yes, I, I remember that guy, Jeremy, because I remember remark, like, remarking to myself that they were wearing Cardinals gear. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, because he was with another person who was also wearing like Cardinals stuff, so I, I thought that was like, uh, you know, I thought that was kind of unnecessary, and that's kind of a Cardinal fan thing to do, like... Wear your wear your Cardinals uh, jersey to like a game where like two teams are playing that aren't the Cardinals. Yeah, right. Even back, yeah, back as far back as '91, we have visu- vi- visual evidence that uh, that they, these dopes were doing that back then. I guess. Um, but uh, and then yeah, so then they showed one with a kid, and the guy catches it, and like he keeps he like shows it to his kid or whatever. Um, but one thing that struck me interesting uh, was that both of those guys who caught those balls were in the first row of the upper deck. Now, Jack, I went to uh Kauffman stadium back in, I think 2014. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was 2014 and I sat in the first row of the upper deck, uh, but I did not catch a foul ball. So oh, okay. I was like thinking, okay. you know, I had some bad luck there. These guys like, you know, I don't know, like the, that seemed to be like a hot spot in this particular game, but I, I didn't come close. I will say that Jason Vargas threw it like a one hitter. The game was like two, two hours and like maybe 20 minutes long. Um, uh-huh. So there weren't, there probably weren't many foul balls hit in that game or like chances no. for souvenirs. Um, but uh, yeah, I was like thinking like, man, all these like first row upper deck foul balls. And like, I didn't get squat 
you know, in 2014. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Jeremy, I was also thinking, like, you know, that guy gave the ball to his kid. I was like, oh, the kid's probably about as old as I am right now. Yeah. No, exactly. And then, okay, well, so then I'll mention, since we're talking about people in the stands, um, at the one hour and 19 minute mark, they show some kid in the stands who's wearing, like, a throwback White Sox hat from, like, like it's, like, a 1910s or maybe a 1919 White Sox hat. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and so he's it's like an old it's like a white hat that's probably like um wool or something with like pins with like pale blue pinstripes and it says says socks on it and they show the kid and then Hawk goes like now that's a good hat on that kid or something like that. He gets very <laughs> vehement about how like good that hat is or how great that hat is as if like he's like trying to say like yeah the 1910s were better than now or something. Um <laughs> But it, and so I naturally thought like, oh, you know, this kid must be, you know, I don't know, like, you know, older than us at this point or whatever. Um, uh-huh. And but it was funny because there was a woman sitting in front of him with these big like 80s yellow sunglasses on and big hair. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, I took a screenshot of that. So maybe I'll post that on uh, on the notes section on raindelaytheater.com. But uh, that was about the one mi- one hour, 19 minute mark. Uh, so, you know, obviously anyone who they cut to in the stands this is 1991 so the people are going to look weird and they're going to look like dated um so that's another you know benefit of watching these old games is to see you know weird nerdy guys with a bad mustache or short shorts or whatever big big glasses you know right and you know it's not just something that like hollywood uh created for like a period (laughs) piece like that that's actually how these people looked right Um, or that's just how people look then exactly uh yeah, it's it's interesting to to see. I'm um, I'm watching during uh, the during the quarantine, Jack. I'm watching uh, Black Monday um, on uh, Showtime, uh, the series about like the 1980s stock market crash and stuff. Okay. And they really lean into they. It's a comedy and it's like a slapstick comedy, so they kind of lean into the 80s tropes. But there's a lot of you know drastic 80s looking uh, costumes on the show, and so. It kind of looks a little bit. I, I got some vibes of that looking in the stands in Kansas City that night. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Also, Jeremy, the Deuce uh, season three ah. of the uh, the Deuce takes place in 1985. Oh, really? Uh, so, so yeah, watch the uh, watch the Deuce as well on HBO if you want some, some good 80s 80s look 80s looks. All right. Um, uh, so, Jeremy, I, I saw. Uh, so, so right after this, right after Hawk said that, uh, Sammy Sosa was hinch, pinch hit for. And yep. he was pinch hit for by uh, Warren Newsom. Yeah, not um, not Newsom, New Sun. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Not to be confused with uh, Warren Newsom. Is there a Warren Newsom? Was he a football player? Uh, that's um, Ozzy Newsom. Uh, he was a Brown, and I think he became the GM of the Ravens. But I mean, just like I've heard the last name Newsom, but I've never heard the last name New Sun. Uh, but this <laughs> is Warren Newsom, and what was his nickname, Jack? It was the Deacon, baby. <laughs> the Deacon. <laughs> and so, so here, here's what's what's odd to me about that, Jeremy, is that is that 1991 was his rookie year. So, like, oh, that God. seems that seems early on in a guy's like career for him to have a nickname like the Deacon. Yeah, no, for sure. And and this is what we talked. I think it was the last last episode we talked about where where Hawk Harrelson just gave guys nicknames. And so, like, I mean. And so I, I actually was like Googling, I Googled Warren Newsom Deacon just to yeah. see. And like a lot of articles that actually did mention him, like the, the ones that I happened to find, um, they were like, he had a cool nickname, the Deacon. It helped him like get over with fans, but there's no real explanation why he had that nickname. Um, and so it's clearly just, again, it's just Hawk just 
gave nicknames to people. And it's like, you're wimpy, you're uh spanky, you're the Duke or you're the, you're, you're the deacon. And it's like, okay. I mean, I'm wondering if maybe he was like a religious guy or something. And maybe, maybe uh-huh. he like talked to Hawk once on like the, the team bus about religion. And then he's like, Oh man, I'm going to call you the deacon. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the deacon. And that's what his nickname is on his baseball reference profile is, too. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, I think that that was. I think that one is a hawk original. So, <laughs> well, Jeremy uh, Warren Newsom was my pick for rain delay theater player of the game here. Yeah, um, yeah, he he was because he you know he had a, a a nice two out walk in his first at bat, his first pinch hit at bat, and then with two outs and a runner on first in the top of the ninth. He got a base hit that sent the runner to third base. So, like, yeah. you know, with a cha- like with a chance to for the next batter to uh, either tie the game with a hit or Warren Newsom was the lead run. So, like, he had two clutch at bats in that game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, cer- certainly, uh, Jeff Torborg, we should say, who is the manager of the White Sox in this game, uh, made the right move for pinch hitting. I mean, Jesus, Sammy Sosa in 1991 was pinch hit for by Warren Newsom, um, and it actually was a good move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's crazy yeah so yeah i mean yeah he had a good at bat i think i think was that first at bat against tom gordon it had over uh, yeah I, I can't remember if it was against gordon or mark davis uh, i think it was uh, gordon okay yeah no you're right you're right it, it was gordon yeah so um yeah so that was a nice at bat and then yeah his second hit also was off tom gordon again uh yeah also interesting that like you know, the Royals only used uh, two pitchers in that game. I think yeah. it was Mark Davis and Gordon. So, like, you got to see, um, you know, you got to see how they use pitchers a little bit differently. Yeah, um, and the White Sox used uh, Brian Draymond. Was that his name? Yes, Brian Draymond. Uh, yeah, Jeremy, if you haven't seen it, check out Brian Draymond's uh, headshot on uh, Baseball Reference. Oh, let me look that up right now. Yeah, because it's quite, it's quite good. Um, uh, yeah, Brian, Brian Draymond, he looks, he looks like, uh, he'd be like a bad guy in an either, either just in an eighties movie or definitely like in an eighties, like baseball movie. He just, he looks like he would be a bad guy. He's got like a, he's got like a mustache and a mullet and he's just kind of seedy looking. Uh, Brian Draymond, uh, if you want a little trivia, I believe he got the first win at new Comiskey park. Oh my God. Uh, Really? Yes, yeah, and uh, the reason I know that is because I was Googling pictures of him, and they show a picture of his 1992 baseball card, and, the, like, his blurb on the back of his card talks about how he got the uh, the win, the first win at Comiskey Park for the White Sox, and it also says, and, uh, you know, they expect it to be the first of many wins to come for Brian, <laughs> and, it, and it was not. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, yeah, he only... Had three career wins and he had none after the ninth after the year nineteen ninety. They were all in nineteen ninety one and then none after that. Yeah, oh, Jesus, man. talk about like you know the Madden curse or something like <laughs> it's a top baseball back curse. Um, that's very funny. Um, yes, the picture. Oh God, I don't know how to. The picture looks like. Oh man, I don't know what to how to describe it. Like I mean, I feel like to say backwoods creep. Uh, is is too on the nose. Like, you know, I, w- I would challenge myself to be a little more creative uh, than that. Maybe like um, short order cook in the also the still the backwoods, but short order cook. I don't like. He looks greasy. The pencil, the mustache looks almost pencil thin in this picture, and just definitely, you know, 
evidence of a mullet. Not good. Not good at all. Well, he he is from what, like uh, Kentwood, Kentucky, or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, Kenton, Kentucky. Kenton, Kentucky, which which Hawk mentions on the uh, oh, on the broadcast. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, that's yeah. right. So, so yeah, <laughs> they gotta... name they name all those like postage stamp Kentucky towns, right? Yeah, yeah. There's that one point, like, and Hawk is saying, like, he's like, yeah, I I I drop money in every one of those towns. Um, <laughs> that's right. I I don't know why I didn't make a mention of that because they talk about. Yeah, and he's like, I think you you bent some money on some horses, and he's like, No, never, never. <laughs> he's like, Not not a book, not a, not two dollars or something like that. Yeah, he's like, no, he's like, No, I only have a gamble on on golf and a little bit of gin. Um, <laughs> or like, uh, yeah, it's just like, what what the hell are you guys talking about? That's right. Um, I, I don't know why I'm I'm disappointed in myself for not making a note of that. But yeah, that's right. They do this whole like little aside about gambling or whatever. It's very funny. <laughs> um. So yeah, we got Brian Draymond. We also got Melito Perez. Yeah. The whites. Do you remember Melito Perez? Yes, Jack. So I wanted to talk about Melito Perez. Now, do you? I'll ask you. Do you remember Melito Perez? No, I, I really, I really don't. This okay. Was, he was probably stopped playing kind of right around when I started following. For sure. Yeah, I, I, I think that's correct. Now, so Jack, I remember Melito Perez. Um, and the funny thing is, in my memory, Melito Perez was like a like a a tough pitcher like uh-huh. i somehow remember him as being like a good pitcher or maybe even like the best pitcher on the white Sox. now if wow. you look at if you look at his baseball reference the numbers would tell a, a drastically different story than my memory <laughs> um i guess so like it's interesting so he came in in relief in this game um, and you know, I remember him as a starter and he was uh, a starter up until the 1991 season when I guess he got transitioned to the bullpen and then he like left the White Sox shortly thereafter. He went to the Yankees and actually had a good year in 92 as a starter with the Yankees. Um, so I'm trying to think like, so his numbers are not good with the White Sox. Like in 1988, he had 32 starts with a 379 ERA. Um, uh-huh. but after that he had a 501 and a 461 ERA so I'm I'm trying to remember like what year I had the impression that he was a good pitcher. I don't think it was 1988 because even still, that's I'm seven years old at that point. Like I don't know if I would remember it that well, but I I in my mind, Melito Perez was a good pitcher. Well, what's crazy is is the 1992 season, Jeremy, when he went to the New York yeah. Yankees. He must have signed a free agent deal with them. He had a 2.87 ERA. In 247 and two thirds innings, and um, 10, 33 starts. And 30, that, I mean, that was by far his best season. Thirty three starts like, and ten. Stud. Yeah, thirty three starts and ten complete games. Jesus Christ! Yeah, I mean, yeah, almost 250 innings. Guy was a workhorse. 218 strikeouts in that season. Um, yeah, so he did have a good season in 1992, but that was definitely the outlier. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, uh, his ERA for his career was 417, but Jeremy, I looked it up, uh, on baseball reference. Uh, he made a cool 16 million oh, in his career. Interesting. Good for so, him. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good for Melito Perez. Like a guy who has basically been completely forgotten, um, you know, by, by, you know, most, most people, most baseball fans. That's so yeah, good, good for him. And yeah, Jeremy, I had, I didn't know who he was. So it was, it was interesting to learn about him. It seems like he signed about a like maybe like a fifteen million dollar contract with the with the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it looks like it. Like it. Like uh, yeah. If you look down at his salaries, like he was making uh, 
just for that time and for like the level of pitcher that he was, uh, you know, he was making a lot of money with them. So he must have had a uh, must have had a good agent. Let's see who his agent was. Uh, Jaime Torres. Okay, I was <laughs> I was expecting to see Scott Boris there. I was like, well, who got him that deal? Right. But um, but yeah, yeah. So he uh, yeah he actually did have a couple good years with the Yankees. But yeah, he's one of those players who was just like kind of annoyingly like right before my time. Yeah, I never really knew much about him. No, I remember him well, and I yeah I have good I have like like. Uh, you know, good memories about him, like thinking he was like effective. Maybe I, I do remember even back then, like, so 92, I would have been like 11 years old, even day or like 10 going on 11. Like even back then I must've had this, like, you know, this baseball, uh, you know, dread that, you know, once your player leaves your team, that he's going to become great with another team, you know? And so like, yeah, I think that 92 season, I must've been sweating it out every fifth day when, when Melito took the mound for the uh, Yankees and do- seemed seemingly dominated that season. Um, you know, it's like a 10 year, a 10 year old Jeremy looking at the paper being like, Oh, there you go. Another complete game from Melito Perez. We should have never let him go. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that was cool that to, to see him pitch in this game and to, to kind of see him get in the consciousness. Um, so Jack, I want to talk about real quick and then, you know, we can maybe head towards wrapping it up, but, um, I want to talk about Tom Gordon, uh, real quick, uh, cause Tom Gordon came in and closed this game out for the Royals. He ended up getting this like a two or three inning save in this game. Yep. Um, uh-huh. let's see, he pitched, uh, he pitched three innings totally. Um, he he seemed to like kind of dom like he had really good stuff, but he also got into a couple jams. I would say um, uh-huh. in the later innings of this game. But I was looking at his his career numbers, Jack, and um, I mean, like, what is your impression of Tom Gordon as a as a player? Looking back at his career, like, what do you what do you think of him, or what do you know him as? Well, I, I remember him being a closer for the Red Sox. Yeah. Um, Okay. So that was yeah, yeah. So that, that that was kind of that's kind of what I remember him being. Was he a starter at one point too? Well, so yes. Okay, I have a memory of him as a closer. He was a he was a closer on the '01 Cubs, and he was good at it too. Uh huh. Um, and yeah. I, I remember him as the closer on the '01 Cubs. Um, but if you look at his numbers, he really only had yes. He he did definitely started um predominantly in his career for the first um. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years of his career, he was mostly a starter. Okay, uh-huh. now he did he did close out some games and he did get a save. That this this game was his only save of of 1991 and only his second career save. Really? Yes. Um, this was his fourth career season, uh, third full season. Um, so, but up until the time, like as a as a royal, he only had three saves in his career. Wow. Um, then he went to the Red Sox in 96, started 34 games. Um, he started all the games. He, he appeared in 34 games, started all of them. Uh, then in 97, he appeared in 42 games, started 25. He finished 16 games, had 11 saves. Then in 98, finally at age, like after being in the year in the league, 10 years, he had 40, he had his best year as a closer, um, 73 games, uh, all relief appearances, 46 saves with a 272 ERA. Okay. Uh-huh. If you look at his numbers, he arguably, he, he had maybe like three good years as a closer and arguably maybe one or two good years. Uh, you could make a case for, 
So the guy only like he had like one, two, three, four, five, six years of double digit saves. But for a guy who's like is known as a closer, he never really did. He he doesn't have a, you know, a spectacular track record as a closer. Yeah, that's that. That's you know, I I think Jeremy. One of the reasons that like people think of him that way is just because of like that Stephen King short story about like Tom Gordon and like <laughs> the girl who loved know. Tom Gordon. Well, uh, 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 say again. What was the title of it? Isn't it the girl who loved Tom Gordon or something? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's yeah, something like that. And yeah. like you know, I don't know if him being a closer factors into that story at all. But I, you know, it, I I feel like that. Um, that sort of made him like that that story and like being a the subject of a Stephen King story sort of elevated him to like a yeah. a level that he didn't really deserve to be at. I guess so. I Jack, I I don't know how old I was when that when that book came out. Maybe I was maybe in like my late teens or something, but I remember looking at that book and being like, "What the fuck is this?" Like there's a story <laughs> about Tom there's a a book by Tom, by Stephen King that name checks Tom Gordon in the title and like I, I think I started reading that book and I stopped reading it, but it's like, yeah, it's a girl who like is like maybe I don't know if it's like an abusive thing. Hopefully not. Or maybe it's like a monster. She sees she gets scared of the dark and like Tom Gordon, like she can like go in her dreams and see Tom Gordon and he like comforts her or something. And it's like, what what is going on? I'm like, I'm like, Stephen King, you're 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 scraping the bottom of the bed. You're running out of ideas like you're pulling yourself too thin. Like you're writing about Tom Gordon. Like what's going on here? It didn't quite make much um, sense to me, but I don't know. Yeah, well, well, yeah, Jeremy, and so, so that's I guess I guess that that was how I remembered him was that like forty six save season for the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, I guess um, so. And you know, if 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 you would have asked me, like, just based on remembering that and also like having watched this game, I would have been like, yeah, Tom Gordon, he was a good closer. Yeah. So <laughs> no, you look at his career numbers. Like, I was kind of shocked looking at his Baseball Reference, but he has one hundred and fifty eight career. Uh, uh, saves and he also has 203 career games uh, start games started so yeah I mean like he looked like in 06 with the Phillies he had a good year um, in 03 with the White Sox he had 12 saves it's not that exciting 27 saves with the 01 Cubs um, and then 46 saves with the 98 uh, Boston Red Sox but that's kind of it for a guy who played 21 years you know, I don't have his baseball reference up, Jeremy. What was his last? What was his last season in the big leagues? Two thousand nine with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He, Holy shit! He yeah, appeared he played in three for, games. Forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just the longevity of it all. But, um, yeah, it was. It just. It was kind of a shock to look at his like career numbers and see like the kind of discrepancy a little bit. Oh yeah, and well, Jeremy also he's the father of D Gordon, isn't that right? Yeah, D Gordon and Nick Gordon, who uh, one day will debut for the Twins. Uh, yeah, right. Um, uh, uh, yeah, D. Uh, you know, I was thinking, how old is D Gordon? Uh, uh, what about probably about thirty years old, something like that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like he he was probably like you know a one or two year old kid at the time this game was was taking place. So that, is that was kind of something I thought when when I saw Tom Gordon pitching. Totally, which is cool. So another thing I noticed here were uh, throughout the game they were Hawk and Wimpy were giving Bo Jackson updates. (laughs) Yes, absolutely, Jack. It's it's kind of comical how many times they like kind of bring him up. Yeah, I mean it's like uh, it's like breaking news every time he has an at bat. They're like, oh well, you know, he he just got a double, and then or or they're like, you know, Wimpy was like. 
yeah, you know, and I've been looking at the box scores, and I haven't seen him striking out at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, no, Hawk is, like, saying, like, he's like, well, one thing I'm curious about are the strike numbers, like, are the strikeout numbers or something. They're like, none in none of the reports are in the, uh, you know, news feed or whatever, like he says, like, He's like, there's, they're not talking about the strikes, and I'm just curious about that or whatever. And so, like, yeah, I think like, I think what they were saying is like, you know, they're saying like he got two hits or something, but they didn't say if he, if you know that he went two for three, but like they don't know if that last one was a strikeout or not. So like, <laughs> okay. it, it's kind of funny to 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 you know hear people talk about a situation where it's like, oh yeah, there's information that we're only getting part of it because that's all that's available to us or whatever. But um. It is very funny how they keep like mentioning it, like, uh, you know, these updates on him or whatever. Yeah, and then, uh, and then, yeah, Pachorik also alludes to like his hip injury, and like, yeah. yeah, little did they know that like Bo Jackson, you know, he's he, he would be done playing in another three years or or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, so that I thought I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I also, Jeremy. So this was back when they had uh, artificial turf, uh, yep. I guess, at, oh, yeah. at uh, uh, in Kansas City, and you saw a lot of players bouncing the baseball like it was a basketball did you catch that oh like no like you mean just like goofing around or like like what yeah throwing like it? uh like i think it was at one point like uh, uh tim spare or maybe it was uh, uh carlton fisk when like they went up to do a mound visit like they were just like bouncing the ball up and down oh, as wow. like the guy was talking to the pitching coach i was no. like yeah i've never i had never uh, i'd never seen that before so i thought it was odd that they were like bouncing the, the baseball like it was a basketball i don't know if you caught that yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't notice that, but yeah, that's not. That's a a bit of an indictment on the uh, the turf, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mo- um, yeah, most definitely. And also, yeah, Craig Graybeck made some good plays over there uh, at third base for the White Sox. And uh, at the end of the game, Jeremy, so they they don't, uh, they, you know, the, the dugouts did not have any protection back then, which is kind of scary. Uh-huh, um, sure. uh, they didn't have like that little that little fence like in front of the dugout to protect the players from foul balls. So like the last batter of the game, like a guy hit a foul ball into the White Sox dugout. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, like like Scott Fletcher was like smelling the ball. Yeah. Did you right. See that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was like, yeah, that that's a little uh, that, that that's a little much, but yeah, that was that was all I had for this one, Jeremy. Well, re- wait, Jack, I want to circle back to Bo Jackson really quick. So yeah. His injury happened in the 1991 football season. So, oh, did it really? Well, because I was assuming that this was um, that that when they're talking about his hip injury, this was after his football injury on his road back to recovery. But this was actually before he had the the football injury. Really? So this was before. This was basically before his career was over. Yeah, well, you know, and then he he did his foot definitely his football career because then he came back in baseball. But um, I'm I'm looking at it now. I'm trying to like get all of it, uh, you know, as I'm as we're talking. But um, Jackson suffered an NFL career-ending hip injury in a seemingly oh okay no 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 it it happened before okay um it happened in January of '91. Oh, oh, did it? So did it okay. happen in a playoff game? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Uh, suffered a career-ending hip injury in a seemingly routine tackle at the end of a 34-yard run in a playoff game on January 13th, 91, against the Bengals. Okay, so that makes more sense. So, well, it, yeah, he must have been rehabbing that injury for baseball. Yeah, and then he did. He, but so he did play that 91 season. He played in 23 games. 
Okay, so um, we must have just missed him getting called back up. Yeah, let's. I'm trying to pull up his game log here for 91. Uh, he got called up September 2nd. So yeah, with, okay. With the uh, you know, the furious uh, <laughs> in-game updates they were giving on Bo Jackson, he had to have been close at that point. Um, so I mean, you know, that looking in the uh, the scope of Bo Jackson history, I guess is like. You know, you, you think about this, and obviously it ended his football career, and he was a better football player than a baseball player, I guess. Um, uh-huh. But uh, so he had that injury in January of 91, but he appeared in a baseball game in September of 91. So, I mean, it was a bad injury, and I guess he never, you know, played football again, but he was back that year playing sports. So I don't know. It's yeah. it's interesting to think about just to put it all in the perspective and to create like a timeline of it. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, he was out less than a year. It seems like he was out like eight months. Yeah. Um, you know, for, right. for an for an, an injury like a hip injury for for one that like ended his career playing a sport. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty impressive that he would be able to come back and play baseball. You know, for for a White Sox team that seems like they were kind <laughs> of uh, floundering. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, I wanted to, let's see, two more real quick hits I wanted to, to make was, um, number one, Dan Pasqua appeared in this game uh, late as a pinch hitter. Do you remember Dan Pasqua at all, Jack? Yes, I remember the name. I don't remember him that well, but I do, I, I do recall, I do recall him. Yes. Okay. I, I don't remember him. Like, I, I didn't really remember what he looked like. He looks like a, <laughs> a nerd, basically. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it. he looked like, I don't know if you ever like, you know, in high school, like, like there were like, like the, like the jock, like football players who like maybe would wear glasses during like, you know, class or something or when they were right. taking a test. Like he looks like that, like to me, like he kind of looks like a kind of like a meathead who like put on glasses and maybe some people, if they didn't know him and they saw him, they'd be like, Oh, that's a very intelligent young man or something. Um, just cause he had glasses on. But I used to love Dan Pasqua as a kid. Um, I feel like my grandma might've said that he was like Polish or something. Uh-huh. I don't know to go back to our Polish uh, heritage a little bit, but Definitely, I liked that he wore glasses. I think that I I think that was cool. And he's anytime, and he wore actual glasses, not like you know rec specs or like you know sports goggles or something. Like he wore just fucking regular fucking like lens crafter glasses uh-huh. as a player. Um, but uh, one of the things that that Dan Pasqua is known for, um, he he it's he had a weird career. He bounced around between like the Yankees and the White Sox. I think he went from. White Yankees, White Sox, Yankees, White Sox, like twice in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that he's known for is receiving a FedEx package of pot. <laughs> really? Yes. And I think that he sent, in my memory, he sent it to himself for some reason. But he, <laughs> he was like arrested for like receiving a Fed or like a package and there was pot inside and he like, you know, signed for delivery and then was like arrested or something for like possession <laughs> of pot. Um, so that was like kind of an unfortunate footnote of his career. Cause he was kind of like a hard hitting kind of guy. Um, and I, he, I lump him in with like the Ron Kittles, um, like the hard hitters of like the night of the late, late eighties, early nineties, like the, you know, uh, Rob Deers and stuff. Um, yeah. but, uh, 
but yeah, but you know, I think that that's something that some people might know him for is like, yeah, just getting busted for pot, like that he got sent to himself or something. <laughs> um, so it was cool to see him, uh, you know, in, in live game action for sure. Um, and then the last, I want to talk about the last out of the game too. Um, so the last out was made by Matt Marullo, um, yes. for the white Sox. Um, and on the last play of the game, he comes in as pinch hitter and the last, uh, out of the game, he strikes out swinging and the bat like goes flying out of his hands and just goes, you know, sailing off into nowhere. Like we don't know exactly where it landed. Um, but it was kind of funny. And so like one of the things that, that I kind of had a reality check about was I confused Matt Marullo with Matt Mieske. Oh, Matt Mieske, yeah, the old brewer and yeah. the old cub. Yes, exactly. Matt Mieske, like the like kind of like I feel like he was kind of like shorter, like a smaller guy with like a another like kind of crappy eighties, nineties like black mustache. Yes, he did have a mustache. Yeah, and so I feel like every time I've heard the name Matt Marullo in recent years, I've been picturing Matt Mieske. Um <laughs> And the, no, there's no better way to end the podcast than this for sure. Talking about the differences between Matt Marullo and Matt Mieske. But Jeremy, I'm I, I'm I'm surprised that you've heard the name Matt Marullo in recent years. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Maybe I maybe I stumbled across a baseball card of his, and that's how I quote unquote heard his name. But um, but yeah, that's a salient point, Jack. But so he does strike out, and like he takes his helmet off and he kind of like looks like kind of like a, he's kind of a hunk a little bit, Matt Marullo. Well, no, I, I noticed his, uh, his hair. He's got like, he yeah. kind of had like long, like wavy, like surf California, like surfer hair. Yeah. Like almost. maybe reddish too, I think. Yeah. It, it was like, it was like reddish, but it was, it wasn't like, it wasn't real long, but it was like, uh, you know, it was cut. It was like, he clearly, he clearly like takes good care of his hair. Yeah. Um, and he clearly yeah. had just gotten into the game and it didn't get a chance to get messed up by having, having a hat or a helmet on <laughs> right um yeah and i mean you, you, yeah you gotta admit too yeah he did strike out in style by uh you know <laughs> like completely like whipping his bat probably into the stands and hitting somebody yeah a little kid no doubt um <laughs> yeah no for sure yeah it was a unceremonious end to a game uh where where the white Sox i think were threatening in that ninth inning too um, yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. And, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, it's funny. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was picturing Matt Mieske the whole time, uh, that I thought of Matt Marullo, um, which <laughs> could be a, you know, could be brought up on a future, uh, podcast, uh, you know, uh, topic. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's all I got for this game. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of fun to kind of dig into like uh, just a random old game. Yeah, Jeremy, we should do it. Uh, we should do it again. I mean, we're gonna have. Uh, there, there's probably not gonna be baseball for a while yet, so you know, we might as well do another one of these down the road. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, we encourage you all, folks, to uh, you know, to to join in and watch these games. We'll try to post it at least a day or so um, ahead of when the actual episode drops. Um, so we're dropping, we dropped the, we told you guys all about this episode on Saturday evening and we're recording it right now, but it, it, it won't be dropped until Monday. I don't think so. Uh, so hopefully people have a head start if they want to check out this game. But honestly, if you go to YouTube, I, we were talking about this Jack before there's an odd amount of full games on YouTube. Um, I, I pulled up right now, like, um, uh, a 1990, a May 1990 game between the Cubs and the Reds, like that could be a fun one to watch. Um, I, even now, I'm seeing like a 91 game Cubs and Pirates. There's a 1990 World Series game A's and Reds. Like, if you search like a year and a team, and you search like how long the video and the videos will come up. If you search, like, if you find one that's like you know 
two hours plus long, it's probably a full, you know, complete game uh, with the commercials cut out. So, like, there's a lot of games out there to watch. Um, I know it's not the same as watching new games, but, uh, you know, now's, now's, you know, what better time than now to dip into some classic slash vintage games, I guess. Yeah, um, uh, absolutely. And, you know, if, hey, if you don't know the outcome to the game, it's almost like watching a new game. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. Exactly. I guess that, that's a really optimistic way to look at it. But yeah, uh, yeah. No. It's a good. That was a good selling uh, voice there, Jack. Good selling inflection, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should we should uh, just yeah uh, cut, cut cut and paste that out and put that on my voiceover demo. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, all right. Cool, Jeremy. Well, should we wrap this one up? Let's wrap it up, Jack. For Rain Delay Theater. I'm Jack Swakowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye, folks.